it's a health journey. I've been losing weight, had some things going on, and um, so as of now, I've lost right at 140 pounds, which is pretty awesome. That's, but that's but that's not why I tell you that. Um, thank you, though. Uh, a part of this journey was my doctor saying, "Hey, you're losing this weight, and now we're going to start to build back." good weight, put good muscle back on your body and tone and those kinds of things. And so you need to start doing more than just walking on a treadmill or stuff. You need to join a gym. You need to become more active in those things of health-related stuff. So I said, okay. So for Christmas, um, we got, uh, Dylan and I got uh, memberships to Planet Fitness, and uh, which is a gym. And uh, Planet Fitness, they say, is a judgment-free zone. Um, and, and I'm going to explain to you what that means. A judgment-free zone at Planet Fitness means that we're not going to judge you because you're fat. We're going to judge you because you're healthy. This is what happens when you spend too much time on the treadmill reading their signs. They have signs all over the gym. And I love Planet Fitness. I'm not hacking on them. It's just the way my brain works. But they've got a sign that's, that's big on the back wall where all the, the, the free weights and stuff are, and there's this big sign, there's a siren on the wall, big big light on the wall, and, and it says lunk alarm. And the lunk alarm is, is for those guys, and I was, I was hoping Brandon would be here because I would do some comparisons. Um, Brandon had to leave Planet Fitness, not because he kept setting off the lunk alarm, but they didn't have enough free weights to add to what he needs to do bench presses. So he had to go to a real gym, as he likes to say to me. But... Um, but, but they have the lunk alarm, and so when you're really just curling out and, and, and you drop the weight because it's heavy or you drop the weight at the end of your rep, and, and that disturbs the other people working out, so the lunk alarm goes off, which I'm assuming, I guess that's not disturbing to the people working out. All of a sudden, there's, <laughs> I, it hasn't gone off yet. I'd probably fall off the treadmill. And then, whoa. Uh, they have the lunk alarm for, for guys. They have, they have signs everywhere that say, no gym intimidation, no gym intimidation. Um, and under it, it describes that for you. It says, you can't wear cut-off shorts. And I'm like, who's wearing cut-off shorts to the gym anyways? <laughs> that's not, no, that's like beach attire and going to the lake. But no, no tank tops. You can't wear the tank top. Like if you're an actual muscled guy, you can't wear the tank top that says, hey, I'm a muscle guy because that's going to be intimidating. And, and so I got to think, and I'm reading all these little signs and, you know, judgment-free zone and no gym intimidation and lunk alarm and stuff. I'm like, man, they're, they're not judging anybody. It's a judgment-free zone, and unless you're a hardcore athlete, then you're getting judged <laughs> for being so, so strong and muscular, and you're not allowed to wear muscle shirts. And So what does that have to do with our series on the purpose of the heart? You're probably trying to figure that out, and some of you are just scratching your heads right now. And it's a good question. I'm glad you're thinking that. Today we're going to be talking about a heart that judges properly and, and, and how the purpose of the heart is, and you have to listen closely today. Or you're going to miss what God's Word has to say for, to you and, and what I'm trying to say. But the, and the purpose of the heart is that essentially we're to be a judgment-free zone. And, and we're going to break this down um, and, because there's a lot to it. It's, it's not just, oh, don't judge people. That's not it. But it's it's the way we interact. And so I just want to start off this morning and, and just pray about this. So will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you uh, for this morning. I thank you that we can come into your presence, um, that we can look at your word, Father. And, and as we examine the examples set forth uh, in, to the Corinthian church through, through Paul and, and through his leadership and his, um, his wisdom, 
Uh, I pray that you will help us to see how we can apply that to our lives. Um, Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's powerful, that it's strong, that it can change our spiritual directions. And so I just pray that your word uh, would speak well to us today, that our hearts would be prepared for your word. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. This week we're going to pick up right where we left off last week, examining 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 5, and, and taking what we learn from the ministry of the apostles, and, and we're going to use that as an example of the purpose of the heart and how we can use it to be a better reflection of Christ. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to read through the whole thing, and then I'm going to go back and kind of break down with some thoughts. So here we go. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. So this is part of the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, and he says, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Now, here's what's happening here. Paul is letting the Corinthian church know that their estimation of him really doesn't matter. Because he's, he's challenging them with some things. And, and there's some things they don't necessarily like. And he's like, hey, it's okay. Um, it, it's what God judges that's important. He's like, you're going you're gonna to place thought on me for what I'm sharing with you. And, and you can think whatever you want. Because ultimately, it's what God judges that's important. So here's a question for us. Can or should every Christian today have that same attitude? Should we have little or no regard for what other Christians think about us? And just say, yeah, it's the Lord who judges me. So as you're thinking in your mind, because if you're like me, you're thinking, yeah, that's exactly what we should have. You don't get to judge me. You don't get to tell me what to do. That's what God will do. But the reality is we can only say that if in the full sense that Paul means it. And we have to remember he was an apostle. He was, he was directly called by God. He was, he was directed by God very clearly in the things he should say and do in helping this church. And so think about this for a second. If the Corinthians were going to claim that Paul couldn't judge them and that they would simply wait for God's judgment, then I think Paul would have this opportunity to remind them he is essentially the father to them and he has the right to correct their behavior because that's part of being a parent. Being a spiritual parent means we have to correct behavior sometimes. And verse 4 says this, For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Now, sometimes, if we're honest, how we think about ourselves is usually wrong. How we think about ourselves is, is usually wrong. Because we're, we're almost always one of two things when it comes to self. We're too hard on ourselves, or we're too easy on ourselves. We're, and, and it's always different depending on the situation. Oh, everybody makes mistakes, or then it's like, oh, you're an idiot. What's wrong with you? And so we're, we're either too gentle or we're too hard on ourselves. Paul recognizes this. And so he's saying, 
that we're going to suspend, that he is going to suspend judgment even on himself. All right? In the end, he recognizes he doesn't stand in a perfect state of justification. He knows that he doesn't stand in this place of innocence just because his conscience was clear. He, he knew that his righteousness came from Jesus. It didn't come from his own personal life. It didn't come from his own mind. His righteousness came from Christ, even though he did have a godly walk. And there's a lot we can learn in how Paul changed his life. So verse 5 says this, Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. Here's what Paul's saying to the Corinthian church. He's saying, listen, sometimes you guys act like referees or judges at a sporting event. You act like you're qualified to give out some trophy and then send others away as losers. That's what they're doing. That's why he's bringing this to their attention. And you're judging, not only that, but you're judging before the events are over. You're judging someone before they get to a place where you should judge them. You're judging before the Lord comes. He will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness. He will disclose the purpose of the heart. See, when Jesus judges, it will be according to the motives of our hearts, not only our outward actions. This is another reason why human judgment is wrong and why Paul feels free to disregard the harsh judgment of the Corinthian Christians towards himself. He's like, I don't need to worry about that. And then here, then each one, right there at the bottom, then each one will receive commendation from God. Paul knew he had little praise from the Corinthian Christians, but that didn't concern him. He knew there was a day coming when our praise will come from God. He knew his praise was going to come from Jesus, not from man. The problem with judging others is, is the, the way we define the word judgment. And this is where we have to pay close attention. The power that we give the word judgment is based on our world's ideal of what judgment is. According to the world's standards, if we judge something, it's typically with condemnation. It's not with accountability and love. And, and it, it happens in all kinds of, of circumstances, in all kinds of areas. Think about it like this. Where do you find judgment in places? Where do you find judgment? Courtroom. Where else do you find judgment? Work. Where else do you find judgment? Fun places that you find judgment. The playground. Okay. I was thinking car shows, but okay. Um, car, car shows. Where else do you find judgment? Sports, top golf, sports, uh, uh, beauty pageants, there's judgment. Cooking competitions, there's judgment. Spelling bees, oh my goodness. Remember spelling bees? I love spelling bees. Brian Regan talks about the spelling bee. There's always that one kid that knows he's not going to win, so he just cashes himself out in the first round. Spell cat, he's like, K-A-T, I'm out of here. And he says he walks past me going, <laughs> I knew there were two T's, you know, like, <laughs> done, you know. But think about this now. It, it happens in, in, in looking for winners, we judge everything else as a potential loser. When you enter your car in a car show or your, your motorcycle or something, you, you go to, anybody go to car shows or it's just me? Okay, there's a few of you, so you, you kind of know what I'm talking about. You go and you, you see these cars, all these beautiful cars lined up, and then you see the people who are judging them and they're walking around. Mm. Is that a factory part there? Oh, no, it's, it's an aftermarket. Mm. Mm. They, they, they're looking, they're critiquing. They're looking at, at your car like it's a potential loser. And you're like, no, this is my car. I built this from the ground. It's no. Same thing. And, and uh, they're looking for a scratch. They're looking for something to essentially disqualify your entry. They're judging. In cooking contests, you guys watch the cooking shows on TV? Like, like the 
the nailed it or the, the baking championships and, and, and these different things. What's the one they, they chopped where they pull out? You get three items out of a basket and one of them's always like, you know, the liver from a snake or something weird. And it's like, <laughs> what? And, and so they do this stuff. And, and here's the thing. The good judge knows what they're tasting. They know that a, a hamburger made with whatever is going to taste a certain way. And so they, they challenge you, and they know what they're tasting. So they're looking for what makes it taste bad. And, and you should have never put jelly beans into your hamburger mix or whatever it was. But if you can make it taste good, then you win. But they're, it, they're looking for what makes it taste bad rather than what makes it taste good. In beauty pageants, they're looking for a blemish or a flaw. And, and, and they, they run these, these ladies through all this stuff, including how they talk and how they walk. And, 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 and they just, they're looking for a flaw. And in the spelling bee, they're waiting for the missed letter. And then it's like, sit down, you're a loser. And it's like, oh, I don't know why we do that to kids, but we do. I didn't have a bad experience in the spelling bees. I really didn't. It's just funny to me when you watch it as an adult and, and it just cracks me up. But anyway, Paul's talking about judgment of other Christians. He's not talking about condemnation. He's not talking about an eternal damnation type judgment here. He's not using the world's definition or culture's ideals of judgment when he's talking about judging others. He uses God's word as the litmus test for our accountability and how we do this. And it's hard for the world to understand because as Paul says also to the Corinthian church, he says God's word is foolish to those who don't know God. And so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25. And, and as this all kind of comes together, keep in mind, this all has to do with the purpose of the heart and the, this, how we judge, all right? For the word of the cross is, only, is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. I love that word, thwart. Where's the one who is wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now, as I understand it, based on what I just shared with you, what I just read, we need to remember a few things. First off, our life, a Christian's life, is based on doctrine and a foundation that's built on the good news, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Okay? And if that's the foundation that your life is, is built on, you need to understand the world or non-Christian's life, it's not built on the same foundation. The values are not the same. And that means they can't be held to the same standard. It's, it, they can't because they're going to they're gonna fail every time. We can't expect someone who has no understanding of God's word to act or live according to the same foundation that we live on. And so we can't judge the world. Paul said that's God's job. That's his part. Our part is to be a reflection of the love of Christ. If that's rejected, that's not on us. Uh, you remember back years ago, they had these little bracelets that came out. And they said, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Anybody have one of those? Yeah, a lot of people had one of those. I just saw um, recently 
someone had another bracelet and, and, and it was the answer to that question. It said, H-W-L-F. And I was like, that doesn't even make a catchy thing. Like, how do you, how do you, he would love first. But then the other thing I thought about was, it took 20 years for us to answer that question as Christians. <laughs> or maybe just to market it. I'm not sure which it was. But it's like, we, for years it was, oh, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And I get it. The premise was to make you think about your next action. But no one, as I look back on that, no one ever said, oh, here's what he would do. He would, he would love first. And that's what it is. See, it's not on us to, to judge or to condemn. That's God's place. And if someone rejects the reflection of Christ that we are to them, that's also not on us. In his time, God will disclose the purpose of the heart, and he will judge accordingly. However, I need to say this next part carefully, and actually you need to hear it carefully, because as Christians, we do have God's permission to judge other Christians. And some of you are like, amen, preach it, brother. Turn me loose. No, slow down, all right? Hold on a second. You see, we're given that permission, but the purpose of the heart is that we judge correctly, okay? And, and we also need to understand some things about judging, and that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to examine this thought in light of 1 Corinthians 5, um, 9 through 13, all right? And, and it, the, the title in, in my Bible says, The Immoral Brother. And so we're going to read through this, and we're going to talk about it a little bit. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral, immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil from among you. Again, Paul's talking about a Christian that is unrepentant in their lifestyle and in their choices. We need to understand that. He's not talking about when someone comes forward and says, I've really made some mistakes and I've sinned and I've done this. I've been a reviler or a drunkard or any of the whatever. And we go, oh, you're out of here. That's not, that's not what Paul's saying. Okay? You need to hear that. He's talking about an unrepentant person who, who's in here on Sunday and who leaves and does whatever they want throughout the week with no accountability, with no truth, with no good reflection of Christ. That's the, the person he's talking about. When he talks about purging the evil person from among you, that's the way. He's not talking about the person that disagrees with you or doesn't like the tie you wore to church. They're not an evil person because they don't have fashion sense, okay? That's not what we're talking about. He's talking about a Christian that's unrepentant, unrepentant in, their, in their choices. He says, don't associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or of greed or if he's guilty of, of idolatry or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler. They're taking advantage of people. If these things are known about a Christian brother or sister, Paul says we're not even to eat a meal with somebody like that. Now, it may seem harsh when we talk about the purposes of the heart, but remember this, the world is looking for loopholes, okay? And so 
if you're living life, and here you are on Sunday morning looking sharp and singing songs and having shallow Sunday morning conversations. Hey, how are you? Just fine, thanks. Is that a new shirt? You look good. And sometimes we just go through the motions of loving God. And then outside of church, you're a completely different person. And, and maybe you are taking advantage of people. Maybe you are doing these things. And you're unrepentant of your struggles or your sins, and you're not even caring about them. W.C. Fields, the story is that towards the end of his life, a friend went in to see him in the hospital, and he was reading through the Bible, and he was an atheist, in case you didn't know that, and he was a comedian back in the day. And his friend said, what are you doing reading the Bible? He said, I'm looking for loopholes. He's looking for a way out at the end of his life. And this is the thing. There's, there's no loopholes. Okay? And, and, and so when someone comes to you to talk about a stumble in your life or, or, or something that they see that you're struggling with, what's the first thing we usually do as Christians? Huh? No, no. When somebody comes to you and tells you about a struggle in your life, when I recognize, Joe, that you've got a sin in your life and I bring it to your attention, what do you know? What's the, the gut reaction of most Christians? Yeah, you get defensive. Who are you? Who are you to tell me about what I'm doing in my life? Yeah, mind your business. You are my business. I'm your business. We call that plank eyeitis. That's a churchy word. Yeah, I might have made that word up. <laughs> but it's what we do. When, when righteous judgment comes to us, when, when someone who knows us comes and shares something with us and we don't like it, we're, we tell them that. We, we call out plank eye on them. Oh, you get, the, you get the speck, you get the log out of your own eye before you look at the little speck that's in my eye. You're actually telling God that you don't want to change for him when you say that. But that's what we do. When, when it comes at us, when, when we tend to reply to that person that's pointing it out, it's a plank eye, plank eye. It's a churchy term. It comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Here it is. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, I don't think that's the right verse. Did I give you the wrong reference for what I wanted to do? Did I say chapter 6, verses 1 through 6? Is it chapter 7? Oh, it's chapter 7. I'm sorry, Emily. That's on me. Um, I get excited sometimes. I'll, I have it written down up here. So here's what it says. It should say, judge not lest you be judged. I was like, hold on. I was going to go with it for a second. Judge not lest you be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Boom, good job. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. These verses are here to remind us that accountability is to be done in love. And see, that's the difference between how the world judges and how a Christian judges. A world, the world judges looking for what's wrong, looking for what's broken, looking for what's, what's damaged. But with Christians, when we come to each other, it's, it's, we're not judging that way. We're coming in love. If someone comes to you with a correction or a redirection for your spiritual maturity, for your growth, 
the first thing, and the first thing you do is to point out that they made a different mistake the week before, that doesn't justify your sin. It might make you feel better for the moment. I told them to go mind their own business because no, it doesn't allow you to continue through life unchecked. We need to be careful when it comes to judgment. I want to remind everybody, if your brother or your sister in Christ judges your action or your sin as inappropriate, they're not doing it to condemn you to hell. They're doing it to try and keep you from going there. See, that's the difference. When we live life well together in a Christian community, and that's what we are right here, then we need to understand we are called to judge the actions and the lifestyle choices that go against God's word. We're not called to judge someone with condemnation or with criticism. We're called to judge them with accountability and love. And it's not done based on our own ideas or our own convictions or our own personal preferences. This is done based on what God's word tells us because at the end of the day, God will use his word to disclose the purposes of the heart. Think about it this way. There was an umpire way back in the day. His name was, uh, last name was Pinelli. And he called uh, Babe Ruth out on strikes. He was up at the plate, the mighty Babe Ruth. And, and the last ball threw it. It was a strike. He called it a strike. The crowd starts to boo with disapproval. And the legendary Babe Ruth turns to the umpire with disdain and said, there's 40,000 people here who know that that last pitch was a ball. And suspecting the umpire was going to erupt with anger. The coaches and the players are bracing themselves. That was back in the day when they'd kick dirt at each other and stuff. And, and they're waiting for Babe Ruth to get tossed out of the game to get ejected. But Pinelli, very cool-headed Pinelli, replies, Maybe so, babe, but mine is the only opinion that counts. That's how it is for us when it comes to judging properly. Believers need to realize that in the end, God's judgment is the only one that counts. We need to resist the temptation to argue over disappointments. We need to rely on God's directions for us, regardless of whether they seem popular or not at the moment. And we need to appreciate that sometimes those directions will come from a discerning brother or sister. Sometimes those redirections will come from someone who's, who has some discernment about our life, who is judging properly. Because at the end of the day, a judgment-free zone only leads to mediocrity and a lukewarm spiritual life. And we know God doesn't want us to have a lukewarm spiritual life. That's why when someone gets baptized or when someone joins us here at Huntsville Christian Church, I always tell them that they're asking for us to be involved in their life. It's easy to be involved with someone's life when you're celebrating their baptism or, or when they partner with you to get involved in serving in the community. It's hard to be involved in someone's life when you have to offer unsolicited spiritual direction to them. But I believe that it's required of us if we're to go to win and commit to grow. And so as we come to our response time this morning, I don't know what this may look like for you. Maybe this morning your response to God's word will be a little different. Maybe today is the day that you give someone in your life permission to speak God's truth into your life. Maybe you've been trying to do this on your own and you need some accountability. And like iron sharpens iron, you need to find those people that can be in your network, that can be in your circle. And maybe in order to do that, you need to repent of something before God. The elders are here. They'd love to pray with you. They'd love to become wholly accountable to you in that. Maybe you've been going through your Christian life alone and you realize today that, that you need that accountability. We'd love for you to join with us here and, and partner with us at Huntsville Christian Church as we impact our community. And maybe your first step in all of this is to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The baptistry is ready. We can, we've got stuff here. We can change and make that happen. Whatever your response is this morning, will you stand and sing our response song with us and respond to God's word accordingly?